Hello, and welcome to Teaching Together from Complete Mathematics. This is the podcast where we talk through a single objective in detail in order to make our teaching of the chosen idea more impactful. I'm Dave Taylor, and today we're joined by my Complete Maths colleague, Johnny Hall. Hello. What are we looking at today, Johnny? Today, Dave, we're looking at the surface area of cylinders. This objective is from Stage 8, Unit 11 of a Complete Mathematics Curriculum. You can access this objective and the whole curriculum made up of 1,800 objectives at completemaths.com for free. Before we start, head to completemaths.com forward slash podcast to download the side deck of tasks. And once you've downloaded this, let's dive into teach, do, practice, behave with the surface area of cylinders. Before we teach pupils a new idea, we must be sure that we're doing the right maths at the right level. If we're not and it's too easy, we run the risk of boring pupils. But if it's too hard, we run the risk of developing the idea that maths isn't for everyone. And we know that everyone can learn maths well. We can check that we're doing the right maths by assessing prerequisite knowledge. So Johnny, what is the prerequisite knowledge for this objective and how do you go about testing that in your classroom? Okay, so um, we brainstormed quite a few of these, but um, to me, the absolute most important prerequisite for me is the ability to realise that if you cut a cylinder down its length and fold it out, you make a rectangle. So essentially what I'm getting at is the prerequisite of, of nets, nets of 3D shapes. The idea that if you unfold a cylinder, you get a rectangle is probably what I found is that is the hardest thing for pupils to grasp when you're working with with surface area of, of cylinders. On top of that, you, you get the more bog standard prerequisites. It's like the you obviously need to know how to find the area of a circle. You need to know what the uh, circumference of a circle is. And you also need to know what surface area is. So you've probably done surface area of cuboids, et cetera, beforehand that. Um, is there anything else to add to that, Dave? Just in terms of the surface area of cuboids, uh, at this point, pupils will have done the surface area of cuboids and prisms uh, within the curriculum. Um, they've also done quite a lot of volume work, which is listed as prerequisites on the curriculum. But there's a lot of vocab that we need to be using here, potentially new vocabulary that pupils will need to learn. And working in terms of pi was a big one. Yeah, absolutely. If you can't if you can't work in terms of pi when working out surface of area of them. Um cylinders you, you find yourself working with lots of decimals where you don't really need to be working with decimals yet so yeah um air and circumference of circles but specifically giving your answer in terms of pi i would say is a probably a decent prerequisite to have in the bag before tackling this as well yeah so um on slide three i've put a, a ready task on there it is just calculating the area of circles circumference of circles and the surface area of cuboids and prisms um, mm -hmm. i would throw this on the board have pupils complete this in their exercise books Johnny, how might how might you test for prerequisite knowledge? Well, I, I mean, I mean that's that's great. That task it's got most of the things on. The things that I'm, I'd like to probably add is something to do with nets as well, um, drawing out nets. Or if you've got time to, I don't know if you've ever seen that pull up nets task that I've done. It's probably the one of the most uh, sort of um, engaging lessons that you can do. Try maybe leave it till the end of a half term or something. But it's where you basically pull out the nets. You put some holes in it in the right place, thread some string through, and then you can literally pull up the net. Oh. There is a link on my uh, on my MathSpot site where I've recorded GIFs of these being made. But um, yeah, um, 
Nets, it just seems to be such a big prerequisite for, for surface area or the idea of wrapping presence as well, if you've done that lesson as well. So now that we've checked for prerequisites and we know that pupils are ready to learn the idea, we're ready to teach. In the teach phase, the idea is entirely novel to pupils, though only just beyond their current level of understanding. The teacher shares key facts and uses metaphor and model to explain and describe so that pupils can meaning make and form connections. So, Johnny, what models might you use here? Well, we had a bit of an argument about this, didn't we, Dave? Because, like, I, I am team toilet roll here. Uh, and I and love I... bringing in some toilet rolls and cutting them down the length and unfolding it to make a rectangle. But you didn't like that, did you, Dave? I mean, I think that's a little bit disgusting. So I'm going to go team <laughs> kitchen roll tubes if, um, if we're going to go with easy-to-access cardboard tubes to cut down. But my favourite artefact here would be uh, a Pringles tube. Yeah. I like I like the difference between the two because your Pringle tubes idea, what Dave's describing here is basically you get a Pringle tube and then a sheet of A4 paper and you and you wrap the A4 paper around the Pringle tube to show that it is the show that the curved surface area is a rectangle. Whereas the alternative way, which is my toilet roll, team toilet roll, is where I cut down the length of a toilet roll and fold it out to make a rectangle. And I think there's probably value in showing both models to show that you get a rectangle each way, whichever, whatever makes sense for the pupil, really. Yeah, I think that if I use a Pringle uh, tube, I'll take uh, an old plastic top from another one as well, uh, yeah. put the paper on that circle, put the an old one on the bottom of the tube. Yeah. So what I get is I get two circles. And to take out the metal bit of a bottom, a bottom of a tube or something and put two end pieces on. Just put um, the, the, the plastic bit over the bottom of the metal bit, but also oh, okay. the top of the hole so that you can yeah. show that you're taking two circles off and the, mm. and the rectangle as a sheet of paper, as it unrolls around the Pringles tube. Yeah, the key for me is getting them to realise that that length when you unroll it is the circumference of the of the top of the tube. Because like I say, I've been teaching this for many years and that always seems to be the, the hardest thing for pupils to grasp. And it is a kind of a weird one because like you're talking like, when you're talking about circumference of circles, you're talking about perimeter of circles, then all of a sudden it becomes really important to know how to find the perimeter of a shape to find its surface area. And we always make the distinction that perimeter and area are two different things. But then all of a sudden for, 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 for cylinders and surface area, you actually need to know how to find this perimeter, this circumference to work out the surface area. So it's a bit of a sort of like, um, it's a, like a special case almost kind of thing where the perimeter is directly related to be able to find the area. So following this teach phase, where we've used the, the artifacts, we're gonna look for pupils to do and that's going to come up next. Now that we've talked about the teach phase, let's talk about do. In the do phase, pupils are simply replicating what they've been shown. And in most cases, this is likely to be a procedure which leads to a solution. The do phase complements the teach phase by allowing pupils to develop confidence and fluency in working with the new procedure. The teacher is responsive to pupils, amending their model or example to make stronger connections in pupil schema, maintaining pupil motivation at the same time. The aim of this stage is for pupils to be successful in replicating the novel idea, and it's important to state that meaningful learning probably hasn't yet occurred. So this stage is all about replication. And what does do look like for you, Johnny? Uh, well, I, this this task here on, on slide five is one from Dr. Austin Mass. Now, if you've never seen her, Dr. Austin Mass, she's got loads and loads of brilliant activities like this. So they're kind of like 
differentiated in terms of colour. So you've got like your basic find the total surface area of the cylinders, and then they get progressively difficult as you work through um, the question set. And they're always beautifully formatted. All the answers are there. They're, they're editable as well. Uh, so I find myself using this um, more and more often in my lessons. Um, it's, it's very similar, I guess, as well to what you might find on, on a Corbett Math textbook exercise as well. It's straightforward, kind of like um, nice bread and butter, if you like, practicing. Can the kids actually do what, you, what, what you're asking them to do, which is find the surface area of cylinders? Yeah, I don't think there's much more to it than that, is there? Find an activity that allows pupils to, to develop fluency. And once pupils develop fluency with this new procedure and they can replicate what we've shown them, then it's about moving into working with this in different ways. Mm -hmm. So having worked through the teach and do phases and pupils have developed that fluency, let's segue into the practice phase. In the practice phase, pupils move beyond simply performing and begin to develop more flexible knowledge of the idea. Unfortunately, it's quite common that a maths lesson doesn't get this far. Pupils tend to perform with a new idea, but don't form connections between the novel idea and their existing schema, and this affects retention in the long term. Through Teach and Do, pupils are now fluent with the procedure for calculating the surface area of cylinders, so we're now redirecting their attention to underlying structures, relationships and principles, bringing about strong connections with prior knowledge. We're looking for a well-structured and intelligently designed task that will aid pupils in forming links with their existing schema and develop more flexible knowledge of the idea. So I've put together the task on slide six. On slide six, it is a six question activity. And we start off with a nice and straightforward um, surface area of a closed cylinder. Mm -hmm. But in this case, we've now got yeah, different units. So pupils need to convert the 0.9 meters to 90 centimeters. Now, as we move forward through this, we're trying to develop more flexible knowledge and attack this idea from all different angles. So we're no longer doing, we're now practicing. So in question two, we're given the surface area and we've got to work out the radius. In question three, it's more about using um, generalization to write a formula for the surface area of a cylinder. And by the time we get to question four, we're looking at this in context. Um, a cylindrical vase at pottery class. Now, this one I was quite happy with because this will be glazed inside and out. So what we've actually got here is we've got the surface area of two cylinders, but only the curved part of two cylinders, and then two circles of different sizes. That's really nice, because you've said how thick the vase is as well, so that's really going to make them think, isn't it? Because the inner surface area is therefore going to be smaller than the, the outer curved surface area. Oh, and let's not forget about the area of the annulus at the top of the vase as well some thinking going on in that question Dave yeah and then in five as we move on uh, we move on to the total surface area of a closed cylinder where the height is five times as long as the radius and what's the height of the cylinder so forming and solving equations and then in six we get to the point where two cylinders are put together to form a taller cylinder what's the surface area of the resultant cylinder which isn't quite so straightforward as just calculating the surface area and then adding that surface area to itself. In fact, the cylinder in question six is the same cylinder as in question two, and hopefully people can yeah. make that link as well. That's cool. That. So they've already done a bit of work for question two because it is quite a meaty question, that question six, when you start stacking cylinders on top of each other, get them to realise that they need to subtract that 
that circle which is joined together twice as well. It's a really nice set of questions that day, which is going to make them think a lot, a lot deeper rather than just find the area of the curve face, stick the two circles on the end. It's yeah. really going to get if they, if they can answer those six questions right, they've got a very good chance of understanding um, on a on a fairly deep level what the area, what the surface area of the cylinder is. Yeah, I really like putting these practice activities together. Um, whereas you, Johnny, you like the uh, activities that are on slide seven. Well, I've I've gone with I've riding I'm, I'm riding the wave of my completion table sort of um, obsession at the moment, and I really like the fact that if you do stick these into a completion table on on slide seven, so you've got these um, six column headings, you've got radius, area of circular face, the length of the cylinder, the circumference um, of the end of the cylinder the area of the curved face, and then the total surface area. So you've got these six things. And I like it because although when we talked about the teach phase, we went through that basic um, activity, you could also use the completion table. And I'd argue for many of these phases, you could use it on the teach phase almost as like a work step sort of scenario. Okay, if we know its radius, we can find the area of the circular faces. If we know the length of the cylinder, then we can use that with the radius to work out the area of the curve face as well. So you could almost use it as a teach phase, a teach-do phase. But then all those six questions that you previously shared on, on slide six, a lot of them you could use using this um, completion table as well. So, for example, you could give them the total surface area and work backwards as well. And as you walk, as you work through this um, completion table, uh, I know me and Dave put a fair amount of thought into the numbers that we used here. There is variation to spot as you go through it. There's things like what happens when the length of the cylinder doubles and stuff like that. And then that bottom one there, where you get to be given just the radius R and the, and the length L, works towards that general formula one, which was in your practice activity as well, Dave. So I just think it ties everything um, nicely together. And there's some real nice things to spot as you work through the completion table. I do like the um, the way that you can scaffold uh, the questions in six by thinking back to well how did we fill in the completion table and the completion table gives pupils a i mean i guess it, a scaffold for, for for their thought exactly yeah it is like yeah because the surface area of the cylinder there's no getting around it there's quite a lot of individual steps you need you need to do and the completion table gives it a little bit of a structure if you work from left to right okay you need to find all these things and put them all together to get your total surface area uh, but there's, um, there's some nice prompts that can come out with this in the behave phase that we're going to talk about um, next, aren't we? That certainly are. So after pupils have uh, formed this more flexible knowledge, assimilating the idea into their schema, we're going to look at them behaving mathematically with the idea. And that is coming up next. In order to develop mathematicians, this phase is the most important of all. We deepen understanding through behaving mathematically, and when behaving mathematically, maturation matters. Tasks are chosen from well-embedded and mature ideas that connect to the novel idea. A good rule of thumb is that this kind of maturation takes two years, so we're looking for pupils to transition from specialising to conjecturing and generalising through to analysing and reasoning with a related idea from two stages previous. Now, for this objective, Johnny, uh, you mentioned in the practice phase some discussion prompts. Do you want to talk us through slide eight? Yeah, so um, on this completion table, as, you, as you're working through it, we specifically put some some questions where like, we either double the radius or we, we double the length. Or actually, if you look between question two and four on the completion table, we double the length and the radius of the cylinder. 
So then what we could do, we could ask the prompt, if you double the length and the radius of the cylinder, what happens to its surface surface area? Now, the standard thing for pupils might be, well, you've doubled everything, so the, the surface area is going to double. But obviously, we know that that's quite a common misconception students have, that if you've doubled the length and the radius, then the surface area is going to uh, multiply by by four. So you're linking it to these this dimension work, so you're making connections there. Uh, so we've got another prompt as well that comes out for it. Um, okay, if you get given the surface area of a cylinder, and we didn't have this one on the completion table, we ummed an R for a little bit, but this general case where you get given the surface area of a cylinder, what, what potential radiuses and lengths could you have which give this surface area? So I've just put the prompt on, write down the dimensions of three cylinders, which each have a surface area of 280 pi. Now we've done it once in the completion table. Can we think of two other cylinders which would also give a surface area of 280 pi as well? And then the last prompt is, what if the radius of the cylinder is the same as its length? What would its surface area be? So I don't know if you notice, when you on the last column of the completion table, when you generalize the surface area of a cylinder, you can take out the... Pi and the R, is that right, Dave? Or that is right, yeah. You can you take the pi and the R out as a factor. Uh, but if you say the radius is the same as its length, you can also take a factor of, uh, well, it all simplifies really nicely into one into a one-term formula. Now, I don't want to spoil that what that formula is. You can work it out yourself. But essentially, uh, yeah, that last prompt is, if you make the radius of the cylinder the same as its length, what is its general formula for its surface area? Right, and in addition to those prompts, um, I've put two activities on there that I created and came across a, a while ago now, actually. The first of which was, it was, I guess, inspired by uh, the three-act file cabinet task where we take post-it notes and stick them on a file cabinet and, and find out how many post-it notes can fill that. But I thought about, um, well, what else can we use uh, that a cuboidal uncover? Because surface area isn't something that comes up a lot. So the second task in that I'm going to talk about is about volume. But this first one, I gave a bit of a context to it. You know, a local street artist has an idea. He thinks that Royal Mail's a bit second class. And so he's going to find a post box and he's going to cover it with second class stamps as a bit of a protest. Yeah, protest, that's the word. And so I do like the, the idea of this, of this question. It also brings in money. So how much will it cost for him to create a statement? And you'll notice that the second class stamp doesn't actually have a price on it. And probably since I've made this, the price yeah, of the second class stamp well, I mean... <laughs> has gone up quite a lot, which means that there's also a need for pupils to, to ask you how much a second class stamp is or to research how much a second class stamp is. And on slide 10, um, I've included a task from Dan Mayer's three-act task called Popcorn Picker. I've never actually done this in a classroom with popcorn. But I have had the idea and, and got the, the paper with the cylinders to do it. So it looks back at the volume of a cylinder the video does. So if you click on the on the image in the middle of the slide, it'll take you to the Free Act Maths Tasks website where it takes you through, you know, which gets you more popcorn. Is it a an A4 paper folded around so that uh, the short edge is standing or A4 paper so that the long edge is standing? And... The amendment that I might make here, just to lower the need here for the the maturation, is to maybe look at the volume of open cuboids instead of cylinders. And so uh, there are instructions for folding those cylinders on the left and the right of that image. Oh, cool. 
Um, one thing I'd probably definitely recommend is maybe definitely don't bring the popcorn into class. I mean, I can't think of anything worse behaviour management-wise than giving kids popcorn. I'm trying to do this task. I think definitely keep the uh, popcorn as an abstract representation on the board when you're doing this, Dave, if you do try it. Well, that's it for this episode of Teaching Together. Remember that you can check out the entire curriculum for free at CompleteMaths.com. That's over 1,800 objectives from counting to calculus. We hope that you've taken a lot from this episode. And if you have any questions, comments or thoughts, don't hesitate to get in touch on Twitter. My handle is at TaylorDear01. And I'm at StudyMaths. Or you can get in touch with Complete Maths on AtlasLED. Or we're contactable via email. I'm Dave at CompleteMaths.com. And I'm Johnny at CompleteMaths.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on your chosen podcast provider and please feel free to pass the pod to both colleagues and friends so that we can all improve our... Teaching together. Until next time, take care. <laughs>